I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to bring you a very exciting topic of the question of can you slow down your metabolism and then also going with that, just the effects of dieting on metabolism. Pretty common question, especially because you might have heard or you probably definitely heard some type of program or some type of person online or wherever it is talk about how something boosts your metabolism or this food boosts your metabolism or eat this food to get you into a fat burning state um, or don't skip meals or you're going to starvation mode. And we're going to just kind of chat a lot about metabolism. Like I said, talk about how the dieting affects it. And then like some nutrition tips from us. And this is something that is a little bit more tricky to grasp. This will be definitely a little bit more of a scientific episode from Mm -hmm. us, which we love that. And the reason we want to discuss it, especially is just because so much in the weight loss marketing world, metabolism is oftentimes a target of whether it's like boost your metabolism or change your metabolism or whatever it is. So yeah, let's get into it. I've got a lot to say. I love this topic. So I'm like really jazzed right now. So let's first start by defining what metabolism really is. I feel like you don't, we don't know what that is unless you like are told what it is or you look it up. Like before I became a dietitian, I didn't really know what that was. I would just hear people say like, I have a slow metabolism or I have a fast metabolism, but I didn't actually know what that was. So Mm -hmm. to define it, your metabolism is the chemical processes that occur within, within yourself, within a living organism in order to maintain life. So more, I guess, specifically, it is the process by which your body converts what you eat and drink into energy. So it's basically, basically like calories in calories out. But of course we know there's a ton of nuance to that. It's not just like calories in calories out is what dictates our health, but, um, that is the equation that defines our metabolism. So to break that down even further, the calories we expend or like what you might think of as your metabolism is your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure. And this is an accumulation of your BMR, your NEAT, your EAT and TEF. So I want to break all of these down. And then in the future, in this episode, we're going to talk about um, how dieting can play a role in every single one of these different factors. So first one is BMR. That is your basal metabolic rate. You may have heard of that one before. Um, This is the one that makes up the biggest chunk of our total daily calorie expenditure. And by the way, we're going to kind of use the terms calorie and energy interchangeably today because calories are our body's form of energy. Um, So BMR is the calories you burn at rest. Like I always say, like, even if you like laid in bed and did literally nothing, like not even eat, like you just like sat there and like existed, your body would need at least those calories of that BMR. Um. I shared a post on Instagram, I think it was like two days ago that said something like, even if you did nothing, you would still need like a shit ton of calories. So like 
those like 400 calorie a day diets are like total bull crap because you need way more than that, even just to exist. Yes. Do not do that to your body and go below that. It's your organs will thank you for eating at least your BMR on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah. So that's the first part. Um, we also have e- NEAT, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Um, oh, I didn't say with BMR. It makes up about 60 to 70% of our total daily energy expenditure. And then NEAT, NEAT, makes up about 20 to 30%. So also a really big chunk of our calories burned. So this is all the activity that our body does besides like actual intentional exercise. So like, um, you know, when you fidget or you tap your foot or when you're brushing your teeth, the calories you burn, like using your arm to brush your teeth, that's like a big chunk of our calories. Um, so really people who, I don't want to get on too big of a tangent here, but people who say that exercise is like the biggest indicator of like how you should be like, what you should focus on to lose weight are often not well-informed because exercise is great for a bajillion reasons, but as I'll get to, it only makes up about like 10% of our total calories burned. Whereas meat is a yeah. much bigger chunk. Yeah. It's so not as simple as that calories in calories out with that exercise, exercise factor. There's other stuff going on there. Yeah, exactly. And like our meat can be so variable from person to person. These oh, can yeah. all be variable, but neat for this topic also, of discussion day to day day to day changes a lot yeah exactly which is why like when my fitness pal tells you your calorie needs are this it's every single day yeah exactly there's no way that can be accurate so we've got bmr we've got neat we also have eat eat which is the exercise piece so exercise activity thermogenesis like i said that's about 10 to 15 percent of our total daily energy expenditure and that can vary so drastically it could be way less or way more if you are someone who is super duper active like a football player who's an nfl are probably gonna have a lot more calories burned from eat versus like you know some lady in their 70s who doesn't really do a whole lot besides like reading it they like they're gonna have a pretty low eat so that one can be pretty variable And then our last one, TEF, is the thermic effect of food. So when you eat, your body actually uses and burns calories just from eating. Um, It is a small amount. So those who say, like, eat lots of protein to boost your metabolism, like, it technically does a tiny, tiny bit. But there's bigger, more important things to focus on than, like, trying to increase your TEF. (laughs) Yes. It's such a small percentage that, like, Eating in general will just also naturally boost your metabolism. So actually looking at like the composition of it might not be as beneficial as you think. Yeah. Yeah. And like we kind of already said, this is all an estimation. So Mm -hmm. this is why you can't just tell someone to be in a calorie deficit without giving any other like takeaway, like actionable things to do, because what is a calorie deficit for that person today. Like we can never really know unless we're putting them in this chamber and like truly testing their metabolic rate every day. Yeah. And there's also a ton of discrepancies for our intake and our output. So those who like use their calorie counting app, like this like Bible that they have to abide by is pretty silly because like in terms of our intake, what a calorie, or excuse me, what a food label says can be off by up to like 20%. So it's crazy. 
yeah. So like you could think you're eating a hundred calories, but by eating like 120, 120 or 80 or 80, which in the grand scheme of things, who the heck cares? But when you're someone who's like obsessed with counting calories, it's a big difference. Mm-hmm. I think that is one of the biggest things is just like, it's not as easy as the calories and calories out. There's a lot going into it. The food labels aren't always accurate. And then the best way to determine it is if we put them in a chamber, but no one has the time or money for that or resources for that. No one just has, <laughs> I, I don't access to like a calorimeter like chamber. I don't even yeah. know like where I, where we'd go besides like maybe a university yeah. or like an intensive training, like Olympic level, maybe NFL level training, maybe, maybe, I don't even know if they would have like definitely a research lab, but like yeah getting access to that no absolutely not they're so expensive it takes a while and like who cares (laughs) yes like you don't need to know that every single day yeah exactly Uh, okay so along with our intake we do also have output discrepancies as well which i want to breeze through so mm -hmm. more reasons why we shouldn't obsess over calories burned which we discussed briefly in our apple watch episode recently my favorite section if there was one section of this entire episode Take it away. This what are your thoughts? Favorite. Oh, I'm just going to like hype you up, but I'll, oh, okay. I'll take, <laughs> I'll put on like outro music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Highly dependent on genetics <laughs> and age and weight. This is why we're not in. Nope. Please don't <laughs> skip. Don't skip. Stay here. We have no, a lot more things We to promise. Say. Okay. Okay. Um, there are a lot of discrepancies on the output, the calories we burn. It's highly dependent on genetics and age and gender, our weights. You know, a bigger body burns more calories than a smaller body. Hormones and any kind of like hormone dysregulation with like disease, yes, like, like hypothyroidism, menopause, PCOS, like birth control. Like there's a lot going on there. A lot going on. Stress. And then sleep. also, I wish everyone understood how much stress affects their body we may we should probably do an episode about this we literally should we always talk about it it is crazy how much stress affects your body not only from like a weight standpoint but that's always one of the biggest concerns what everyone cares about yeah but stress is no bueno we say this so much it affects so much and inhibits so much as well it puts you your body into like those higher cortisol levels and these other factors this is why this is my favorite part because it's not just food and exercise and like even if people are like oh yeah it's your weight too like there's a genetics component it's just huge the age hormones sleep you got to be sleeping well if your sleep cell a lot of things are going to be off as well Mm -hmm. and then your body composition like your distribution of whether like you have more like muscular mass compared to, I don't know what the average person, I couldn't tell you any of those stats. I don't really <laughs> need to know, but like that kind of comparison, like someone who might be able a little bit like lower body fat compared to someone else. Yeah. That also plays a huge part. So like, there's so much that goes into metabolism, especially these like different outputs that we're using to measure. It. And it's just not something that like and this might cause you stress to hear that too. Is you're like, oh my gosh, there are all these things I can't control. That's okay. Your body is wonderful. It's doing its best. <laughs> yeah. I always say it's kind yes. of a good thing that like it's handling all that. And we don't have to worry about it. It's like out of yeah. our hands. Yes. Like 
our bodies aren't these like fragile ecosystems where if we don't get the exact right number of calories in versus out, then we're going to just like crumble into the ground and turn into dust. No, we would probably be extinct by then. Yeah. By now, if that would. That Your would body can handle if you go over under calorie needs once you, in a while. Yeah. You and you will. Oh, yeah. You're never going to be exactly at your TDEE. That'd be crazy. At least not like on a regular basis. Yeah. And it'd be hard to even know because of like the discrepancies in food labels and whatnot. Like only your body knows what your actual energy expenditure versus intake is. And we should thank it for that because it's doing a lot. It's working hard. Yeah. And it like gives you signals. Like we'll kind of get to like when we're hungry our that's our body's way like we get signals when we're hungry as our body's way of saying it like needs more calories when we're satisfied it means that we can stop eating and then it will repeat when it needs more energy mm-hmm. like our body it's handling it you can you can back off focus on other things like managing your stress and getting enough sleep and yeah meal planning so you can eat enough like all those things yeah. And especially if you're stressed about even gauging those hunger and fullness cues, they might be like have been disrupted and affected by dieting too. So like you yeah. can't trust them. Luckily we have lots of resources. So definitely, I don't think we have a blog post on this, but we definitely talk about it in our course. So check out our course where you can go a little bit more into that, but your body when it came out, when you came out of the womb, I'm like, we might, most people come out. You can't just say womb and then stop talking. (laughs) I like stopped. I was like, we all come out of the womb, right? Yeah. That's like, is that just the, the term for like the uterus? Is that the womb? I'm I'm thinking about more like if like, cause like surrogates, you come out with someone else, but like, you're always coming out this is like a where are you going with this This does not matter right now (laughs) anyway when you were born existed your body knew knows what it's doing and it's just it might be a matter of just regaining that trust with it but yeah from a metabolism standpoint we're good it's let's take it let's focus on those other things we can control like sleep are you managing your stress are you actually managing your stress? Don't just say you are. Let me ask you again. Let's think about this. It's a good reflection period. But nevertheless, I think the only other things we really want to hit with what metabolism is, is just like how we talked about way back when with the different macronutrients are different types of foods. Thermo effect food changes depending on like the macronutrient distribution. And it's not enough to like really stress over from that standpoint of changing your metabolism. And then like, obviously people with different physical activity levels will burn different amounts of calories. And also different size people. Like yep. if Emily and I did the exact same workout, we would burn different amounts of calories. Yeah. Because our bodies are different. Yeah. Which is why we always say, it's very cliche. Everyone always says this, who's in this space, but you can't eat and work out the exact same as someone and think you'll look like them. Because of all these different things we've already talked about. Yes. So those, what I eat in a days Can be helpful for inspiration, but. Recipe inspiration, but. Yeah. Yeah. Recipe, not body inspo. No. But don't stress yourself out by like, oh, I have to eat exactly like them to look like them. 
there's definitely a genetic component. There's definitely like, maybe they're managing stress better than you. Maybe they're sleeping more. Maybe they just have more time to like put into physical activity. Emily's doing the Gen Z like hand thing. (laughs) I can't even do it right. I'm an old Gen Z. We're, I think we're Zillennials. We're Zillennials. Yeah. Because there's definitely some Gen Z. I don't, under, I can't compute, but then there's also <laughs> some millennials. I'm like, I'd not like that either. Yeah. 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 So we're Zillennials. That 1997 happy middle. Which I like. I'm glad we're a mixture of both. Yeah. I selfishly want to say that we're the good parts of both. <laughs> literally thinking that in my head I was about to say well we got all the benefits of both yeah with either of them I was thinking of like those TikToks of the millennials making fun of millennials that are like I just did a thing like I don't feel like neither of us are like that at all I think the my most millennial thing which in my mind is not even that bad but the social you decide it yeah is like being like a Harry Potter fan yeah, that's very millennial. It's a very millennial thing. But also, I grew up with those. So, yeah, I'm not going to like, I'm like, let me, let me like my house. Let me like my house. Yeah. And we're fine. They think- have their, I know Percy Jackson's coming out, but also I read Percy Jackson. So like, yeah, it's a, it's a weird middle, but that's like the big, my biggest millennial trait. I think I said on here, I haven't read harry potter right i think everyone yeah. knows that yeah, yeah um i don't know this so if i sound stupid that's fine if you judge me <laughs> with like the harry potter houses can you like yeah. look at someone and like know what house they would be like would you like um, would you be able to like classify me as one i i would probably say you're hufflepuff you give very much hufflepuff vibes. <laughs> i've heard that before i don't know what that means yeah. i've heard that before i think it's like you're very like Hufflepuff typically is like the nice house the nicest house that's good um where they're like very fair and honestly like like Enneagram 9 vibes because I definitely definitely I classify with Enneagram a lot more yes yeah okay yeah which is so interesting to me that like you classify you like because I don't know what my thing is I feel like I classify a lot as like Virgo that's my like thing I'm like Oh, like, like astrology mm-hmm. See that. I don't know either. Like I know I'm a Capricorn, but I don't know what that means. Oh my gosh. Wait, I think I, I think Capricorns work a lot. I think that's like their thing. Well, <laughs> that's I fitting. That's, I think the only thing I heard about Capricorn, but that's very much you. Aren't there like something's rising, something's like falling I don't, into the dust. I or... don't know all those, but there's definitely like subcategories, which I'm like, what's a, what's a Virgo like main trait that you classify um, like with? very like type a and mm. like organized and like get stuff done. Yeah. I can see that. Funny enough, Bobby and I are both Virgos, yeah. but we are like very different people. Yeah. I think that's a, True for like any of these kind of things, like Enneagrams, like, yeah, like we not everyone in the month is the same. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be kind of scary. <laughs> that would be scary. I need someone who's listening, who knows like astrology in and out. So let me know what is also, someone else identify Hannah as a house. Cause I think you're a house. Yeah. 
I need someone to let me know what me and Ross's relationship is going to be like as a Capricorn. Ross is May 18th. I think that's a Taurus, Taurus, Taurus. I don't know much about those. Yeah. I need someone who knows to let me know if yes. we're doomed. I mean, forget to make it. Someone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're going to make it. <laughs> I have full confidence, but what do the stars say about us? <laughs> Please let us know. Yeah. We know that two Tauruses. Actually, what do we know about that? I don't know. Let us know. Or not Taurus, Virgos. We're making it work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares what the stars say? We're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. It's kind of fun to like. I like this kind of stuff. I love like personality you, like, tests. Belong and like there are people like like you that it's like, I think it's fun. That's why I like, I feel like yeah. the houses are fun. Have the, you done the disc I, analysis? Usually like a corporate thing. No, You've I've done, done the like, what was it called? I'm an ENFJ. Oh, I don't know what that one is, but I've heard of it. Like, I don't know what mm-hmm. I would be or what that means. Myers but... Briggs, that's what it is. Yes. I've done that one, Um, mm. which I don't know how much I really think about that one, but. Yeah. I think my favorite's Enneagram. I feel like that one's the most I resonate with. Yeah. What are you? What Enneagram are you? I feel like we've talked about this I and I always forget. Yeah. Yeah. And then I found out some other people we know are eights, and I'm like, interesting. Yeah. We're the same, but <laughs> I just assume I'm the same as people. Are. <laughs> Not a good assumption. <laughs> okay. I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we got here. That's okay. I don't. Let's go back to metabolism. <laughs> we know that I'm Hufflepuff. I'm a Hufflepuff. Huffle- Enneagram, 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 is it Enneagram, Enneagram? I say Enneagram. Enneagram nine. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Zillennial. Zillennial. Capricorn. Capricorn. What does that mean? What does that say about someone? And someone analyze Hannah right now. I need a therapist to chime in on this. Who actually understands all these things? They'll probably like break down. Like, why do you want to label yourself? Yeah. Let's unpack your unpacking. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about anyway. <laughs> what can decrease this metabolic rate. That's what you guys are here for. Yes. You know what metabolism is by now. What can we slow it down? And like how and why? And like what's what's the deets with that? <laughs> what's the sitch? So first and foremost, let's talk about dieting because this is oftentimes where we see those boosting metabolism claims in the dieting space. So little do people know is dieting actually can decrease your metabolism and slow it down, which is probably not what you want to hear from. Let's break it down from the different categories of metabolism hand and talked about before. So BMR, basal metabolic rate, decreases when we diet and lose weight because there's just less body mass requiring energy your body's like we don't need we don't need as much to keep everything running let's lower those energy needs and less fat and less muscle mass less calories needed less and less equal right there straightforward (laughs) wow you're a mathematician (laughs) there we go she just gets it (laughs) Um, this is when it gets a little trickier (laughs) Uh muscle mass is more metabolically 
active, which you probably heard this is like muscle mass, like burns more calories and like fat mass. So like we have more muscle mass, less fat mass. We're still going to need less, but maybe it won't be as less, <laughs> less, but not as less the math. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, but essentially if the biggest problem with dieting really with this is like, if you're yo-yo dieting and you're losing a lot of weight at once and then gaining a lot of weight, but that huge loss in weight almost, I don't want to say almost always, but oftentimes can lead to a lot of loss of muscle mass as well, which influences BMR, I would say maybe a little bit more than adipose tissue just because yeah, it's a little bit more metabolically active. So yeah. that rapid weight loss might not spare your muscle and will lead to a decrease in BMR. Yep. The math is mathing. The math is mathing, and the mathematician has really laid it out for us in a very Emily the mathematician, as yeah. they call me. Which is funny because you actually do love math. I actually do love math, but there there were no numbers involved in no. that. So like there was one equal sign and Emily all of a sudden took the role <laughs> of mathematician. <laughs> Went off the rails. <laughs> oh but... man. Okay, so that's yeah. BMR. Um, as for neat and eat, our exercise and non-exercise activity thermogenesis, these will also decrease when we diet and lose weight because the body simply will require less energy to move your body. Um, so generally when you lose weight, your body will burn less calories when it's active. So like I said, like if I, let's use like, I guess numbers, if I weighed 200 pounds, but then I lost 50 and weighed 150, I'd be burning less calories at 150 pounds when I exercise because I just have less body mass. Along with that, when we diet, because we are eating oftentimes so little and we're so restrictive and we're feeling burnt out from the diet, you might also just simply experience less drive to exercise. Um, And that of course will mean that your EAT decreases because you're just doing less activity because you are rebelling against it because you hate it because you are on a diet and it sucks the life out of you. Yeah. Your metabolism doesn't stay the same. It changes a lot. It's pretty, I don't know if I want to say it's pretty influenced, but it kind of is pretty easily influenced by a lot of contributing factors. And like all these changes we mentioned, it's not like, say like that weight loss example, I went from like 200 to 150. Like my energy needs are not going to decrease by like 2000. Like we're not talking like big numbers here, but it can play a role. And like we said earlier too, like hunger and fullness are also going to be playing a role. Mm -hmm. Um, our psychology around food is going to be playing a giant role, which I think is even more notable. Like not only is our metabolism slowing down, but we're also becoming obsessed with food, preoccupied with food. We might experience binge eating and develop an eating disorder. So like these things are also what makes dieting not work along with all of these metabolic changes as well. Yeah. One piece of the puzzle. Exactly that. Last thing we'll know is that thermothermic effect of food. I was like thermogenic effect? Thermic thermic effect. Thermic effect, yeah. Um, Will also decrease just because we're eating less. So like your body doesn't need to burn as many calories because there's just less food to consume. Exactly. So, so bottom line, all of this will decrease, like we said, and if it does drastically increase as we'll get to actually more in the next section here, um, with the more drastic 
metabolic changes, but in general with weight loss, everything will decrease. And with that, you'll have to eat less to maintain that weight loss. And you can only eat less for so long before you get burnt out and you just gain all the weight back. Yeah. And then is, and is that really that like cycling of weight that messes with the metabolism a lot? Because yeah, it's just kind of like flying between like wide ranges of weight and your body's constantly trying to maintain homeostasis mm-hmm. and it kind of freaks out when we're putting it through large changes like that. And your metabolism oftentimes will just become stunted and then constantly trying to adjust. And that's why oftentimes people gain the weight back. Yeah. And there's studies that show that these, this like crazy weight cycling is worse for like cardiovascular health and things like that than just being at a heavier weight at a higher BMI. Yeah. Like it is better for your health to be at a heavier BMI, which we know is garbage, a heavier weight in general than to like have these ups and downs and constantly putting your body through the ringer. Yeah. Okay. This next one I know is very controversial. So I'm very excited about this one. So our next topic, speaking of like decreasing metabolic rate is the term of starvation mode, which gets thrown around a lot as well. So a question might be asking that we're going to answer is, is starvation mode a real thing? Like, can you like break your metabolism? And the answer is it depends, which I know everyone hates that answer, but basically starvation mode is just an incorrect name for what's actually known as adaptive thermogenesis or metabolic adaptation, which is Imagine if we whip that out. Oh yeah. You're going into adaptive thermogenesis. <laughs> like what? what? <laughs> and that's why everyone always says starvation mode. Yeah. Um, but basically what we're talking about here is the more extreme version of what we just described. So like we said, all of this, like the BMR, the NEATS, the EAT, the TEF all going down, that's a natural response to just weighing less and eating less, but it can get to an extreme where we do experience this adaptive thermogenesis. Yes. And this is when your body, it's not trying to punish you or anything. It quite literally thinks, oh my gosh, we're not going to have access to food or we're losing access to food. It's going to slow down our metabolism so it can hold on because it, your body doesn't know what your intentions are. Like it doesn't know your brain knows what's going on, but the brain doesn't can't can only control so much. Can't be like, Hey, Hey cells, here's the deal. (laughs) Do not use those calories more efficiently. We're just trying to lose weight to get healthy. Yeah. Everything's cool. This is the 411. Yeah. Your body does not know that it thinks that you're losing access to food slows down your metabolism. And that's oftentimes why it's not as simple as a calorie deficit because often so many times there have been recommendations for like a thousand to 1200 calorie programs for someone who like doesn't have anything chronically going on disease-wise, didn't go through any type of surgeries or anything that would require a restriction in calories like that. But it's more so the means of like, let's just really short them of calories and go under that BMR. Um, And that's why it doesn't even always work too, is you're just, you're not providing your body a sufficient amount just to keep the day going. So 
it's not even a calorie deficit at that point it's like your body is going into it's like starving literally it is starvation mode but the term is just not quite yeah legit and legit also isn't a legit word (laughs) yeah and also your stress levels this is something i talk about is like when you go into the state, your stress levels increase so much. Mm-hmm. Just not, not, maybe not your external stress. When, I assume you're probably a little bit stressed if you're depleting so much food from your body. But your internal stress levels go up because it thinks it's trying to survive. Yeah. It's like freaking out. Yeah. Your body's literally not sure if you are doing this to lose weight, to quote unquote, get healthy, or if you are like stranded in a forest with no inadequate nutrition. Your body just knows that it's hungry. Yes. And so what it does is this metabolic rate slows down and it becomes more efficient. So every calorie you eat, it's able to do more with one calorie. And so then at that point, your body is requiring less calories because it's adapting to protect you. It's not working against you. But because of that weight gain often results because your metabolism has slowed down so much, you can't maintain that low intake for very long. So the example I want to give here is if you had $5 left in your bank account, you are going to use this $5 much more efficiently and not spend this money on like a new coach bag and other expensive things. So it's kind of similar in a lot different of ways, but same analogy to how your body is going to utilize calories when you aren't eating enough. Your body's going to like make those calories stretch out. Just like that $5 you're going to make stretch out to do a lot more than if you knew you had a lot more than $5 to spend. So again, this is a much more extreme version. We're not saying that every time you eat below your body's needs that you're going into starvation mode or adaptive thermogenesis, but this can be a consequence of extreme dieting, which we know is very common, unfortunately. So it definitely yes. could be happening to some people. I just want to say one last thing with um, this, this, yeah, the skipping meals. Okay. So <sighs> this one's pretty controversial too. So people will say things like skipping meals or intermittent fasting will slow down your metabolism and like lead to this adaptive thermogenesis because you're not eating consistently. Or the flip side, people will say like, you have to eat six small meals a day to boost your metabolism. Eh, that's not really a thing. It's not really a thing. So it may not be an effective like weight loss strategy if that's your goal, which I'm guessing it is if you are thinking about these kind of things. And that's just because a lot of it's restrictive nature. That's what's going to lead to the issues. Not like the, not the nature of intermittent fasting, but the fact that you are restricting so much that you eventually are going to end up binge eating during your eating period. That's more likely why you're not able to maintain that approach. Yeah. And oftentimes like with the like six meals a day, it's might not even be a matter of like the six meals, but like more of like, are you eating frequently enough? Like that standpoint. And then the skipping meals, like that can affect your body. And it's, it's not like, it's not like one or the other you're suddenly in starvation mode but it's not uncommon that people who consistently severely restrict could be adding that extra stress onto their body yeah yeah something to be aware of hence why we're not really super big fans of restriction no i'd say 
We are absolutely not fans. What's the opposite <laughs> of a fan? Like a protester? I think we are diet protesters. <laughs> yeah. Diet protesters. Yeah. We've got our little signs. We're going no out there. Right. It's not diet. <laughs> All right. So now you're probably like, okay, great, Emily and Hannah. I now you told me that my metabolism can be decreased what is there even anything I can do to increase it we are glad you asked I feel like we always get to this part I'm like yes finally (laughs) some solutions let's talk about it so first and foremost there's something called reverse dieting we're actually going to have an upcoming episode on it and go a lot more in depth into it but this is slowly essentially like long story short increasing calories slowly up toward our BMI, BM, BMI. I don't we are not means. using BMI. I don't even know what that means. Like, what would that, what would I be doing? I don't, it not make any sense. Increase calories uh, um, to BMI. Hmm. I don't know how that would work anyway. Yeah. I guess anyway. like, I don't even know. I'm not going to try to break that down. No, I, <laughs> it's nonsensical. Uh, no, but it's kind of like increasing calories towards your BMR to not like freak out your body in any way. Um, it's kind of like conflicting, conflicting research on this. If you were to do this though, definitely seek out a dietitian. Like first and foremost, um, there are some conditions that someone might be at risk of with this, for example, like refeeding syndrome. This is really common with individuals with an eating disorder history. They're a little bit more at risk of this. Um, this is something that like, especially with like the history of disordered eating could also be something to be wary about, but that's why supervision of a dietitian would be good for this. Yeah. But it is Something that might increase metabolic rate, meta- metabolic, metabolic rates. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah. Yeah. If you have any history of disordered eating, eating disorder, it may not be a good approach because it is very numbers focused still. It's like how many calories per day to the nose and like, what is your weight reacting to that? So yeah, it's often used in like bodybuilding Um, They're the ones who really utilize reverse dieting um, because they do restrict so much. And then their goal is to get their BMR back up by slowly increasing calories. And they're like watching the number on the scale very closely the whole time. And oftentimes they're also assessing their body composition to make sure that it's like mostly muscle they're gaining and not a lot of body fat. So it's not something that just like you should try to do on your own, nor do you need to. Like, again, our audience probably isn't a whole lot of like bodybuilders and athletes probably just people who like just want to like be free from diets and like enjoy some cake once in a while yeah and you don't need to do reverse dieting to do any of those things no so that is one way to increase the metabolic rate but not the only way so our next Mm -hmm. one of course is to stop dieting yeah you guys had to see coming Um, cause as we have discussed these diets and just not eating enough can lead to a decreased metabolic rate can lead to adaptive thermogenesis, not to mention all those psychological changes that can lead to preoccupation with food. And in my opinion, this is even more important and a bigger reason why diets don't work than just the, um, physiological reasons. 
But speaking of physiological reasons, we mentioned like metabolism changes, but there are also um, different hormonal changes that occur when we go on a diet, including like um, the levels of ghrelin and leptin, which I won't bore you to death too much, but ghrelin is our hunger hormone. I always think like grr, like your belly's growling at you. Um, so our hunger hormone can increase when we restrict calories, making us even hungrier, which can explain why if you go on a diet, not only are there psychological reasons for you feeling hungrier and having more cravings, but also this ghrelin is likely increasing as well because your body is trying to protect you. It's trying to make, it's like giving you the urgency of hunger because you're not eating enough. It's like telling you like, eat something. Here's the signal to make you go eat something. Yeah. So, and then, yeah. and then leptin. Kind leptin of the is, they say tidy hormone. I don't have a fun way to remember this. I just know it's the opposite of ghrelin, basically. <laughs> yeah, I was like, eh. And essentially, this is the one that works a lot with like appetite in your brain, to kind of let you know we're, we're good, we're full. And this one is oftentimes decreased during weight loss. So that way you're not able to really tell if you're full, which oftentimes that affects like fullness cues in the long run, not even just during dieting. And that also makes it a little bit harder when you might be trying to restrict yourself, but you're like, oh my gosh, I still feel hungry. I don't feel satisfied from anything. Um, something's wrong. And your body's letting, your body's letting you know that for a reason, it's not trying to mess with your appetite or mess with your metabolism. It's just like, whoa, there's a lot less food going on here. I'm not feeling, we're not getting enough, essentially. Hence why also ghrelin's probably increasing too. So we got to eat more. So if you've noticed those fluctuations in hunger, whether you're dieting right now or have a history of chronic dieting or in a different part of the cycle that could be why is that satiety high hormones just not acting like it normally does yeah i can't say it enough like it's not your body trying to sabotage you it's your body trying to protect you in various ways there's so many mechanisms that happen when your body doesn't get what it needs and it's gonna like try its best to make sure you do get what it needs but because you think that eating is little as possible is what you actually need. It can feel like your body is like sabotaging you, but it's actually not. Yeah. And then along with not dieting and eating enough, our very last one, we kind of already mentioned a little bit, but um, incorporating some variation of weight training could be very helpful. We've discussed this a billion times on here um, in this podcast in general, but when we increase or incorporate some version of weight training that can help us to increase our muscle mass or if someone is trying to lose weight, um, or if they just are losing weight, hopefully it can help them spare muscle mass, if not even build more, um, because then we'll be able to maintain hopefully a higher metabolic rate as muscle mass is more metabolically active than adipose tissue or fat mass. Yes. And so. the trainer in me wants to say we have to apply progressive overload. So, you know, you can't just like do five pound bicep curls for 30 years and think you're going to like be building muscle that way. 
Like it's great that you're moving, but like progressive overload, you got to go to the 10 pound dumbies and then the 15s and then, you know, get different reps and sets Dumbies, the dumbies. I don't think I've heard progressive overload in years. I talk about it all the time. I've never said that, but why would I say that? (laughs) That's true. I'm out here like do cardio and resistance training. Yeah. Seek out a trainer for more specifics. I rarely get to because the demographic I'm in, I just don't get to talk about exercise a whole lot. But when I do get to, I love talking about some progressive overload. Bottom line, your metabolism is not broken, does not need to be fixed or boosted. Only case I can note that it might be, it would probably be affected is like eating disorders but that's the case where they're definitely going to be working with the dietitian. So that's not something they'd be on their own for. Yeah, exactly. Your body is, your metabolism rather is not broken. It's just adaptive, yes. which isn't a bad thing. No, it's adjusting to all those different things we've talked about. There's a yeah. lot that goes into it and it's very smart and it's doing the best it can. I was like thinking of an analogy for some reason. All I could think of was like how our eyes can adjust to like dark light or light light. (laughs) I can't think of a better analogy, but like your body has a lot of compensatory mechanisms. Yes. Yeah. My eyes are like where my brain went. That was so stupid. Interesting. I have no thoughts. There's, there's, there's not one analogy coming to my mind right now. So we're going to go with eyes. Emily's brain is not compensating by giving her an, giving her nope. an idea. Nope. That's Just okay. Math mode. <laughs> that equal sign really threw us for a loop today. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bonus question time. Unrelated to the topic in any way. <laughs> Where do you put the cheese on a cheeseburger if you're making it yourself at home? Or I guess if you're at a restaurant, like where would you like them to put it at? <laughs> and I have a part two question, but I thought we could save it for another bonus question. And that is like, what's okay. the best cheese on a cheeseburger? I feel like we're going to fight. So about I this one or the type yeah, of cheese? we're going to fight about this one. Ooh, okay. What's your answer? I would put the cheese on the in its package and leave it there. What? <laughs> You don't like a cheeseburger? I hate cheese. Oh, you don't like your things. melty cheese. Gosh, dang it. Here we go. I put it back in the fridge. <laughs> um, I was keep like, where is she going sto- with this? No. Keep it in the storage the for someone else. <laughs> for me. Give me like yep. four slices of cheese on a burger. Give Hannah my cheese. That's where I put it. <laughs> Do you like pickles? I love pickles. Okay. I was just thinking like if we went out to eat, like. I would get your pickles what? and your cheese. Like what all would I no, get? No, I, your plate? I love pickles. I eat other okay. people's pickles. It's just the melted cheese. I don't know why I didn't think about but that it, before I put the stupid question on here. <laughs> I should have thought about that. But if I were to have an opinion, it would definitely not be on the bun. It'd be like mm. connected to the meat. Even though I've never seen that. But like, oh, you're saying case. like if it was like patty, vegetables, then cheese, yeah. like you would never do that. No. Yeah, me neither. It has to like, I know you hate I this, it but it, it has to melt on the meat. Yes. That's, I feel like that's the best place for it to be. Would you were care you if it's like, go ahead, go ahead. I was thinking, were you thinking like under the, yes, I was going to say, would you care if it was like under or above the patty? Honestly, I'd probably want it above. So I wouldn't taste it as much. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, you're disqualified from this question. <laughs> I'm canceling you. <laughs> the news are out. I don't like cheeseburgers or Ugh. cheese on anything. I, Man. you're going to hate me for this. Oh, no. I was, where was I? I was eating with Bobby's. Oh. Oh, no. This is like, no. What was I eating? Oh, I got, I got my first McGriddle. Oh, oh um, never had a McGriddle? No. Oh, my gosh. I love it. McGriddle. Was, it was so good. I was it's like, so good. Oh, like the, the syrup. syrup. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was so fluffy. I'm like, I've been missing out. I was eating a McGriddle. And I was peeling, I was using the wrapper to peel the cheese. No. <laughs> that like, I don't like cheese on literally melted cheese on anything, except for like nachos or something or like queso. I think that's I different, different texture. I could see liquidy. that. Yeah. I don't like when it's like, it's like a dip. Yeah. All right. Man. Tell me your answer. Cause I'm just, well, now I'm just upset. <laughs> I told you. This episode's over. <laughs> um, no, but if I had seen you taking the cheese off the McGriddle, I probably would have just had to walk away. All right, Bobby was giving me some looks. Okay, good. Thank you, Bobby. You handled that for me. I don't know. It does have to be on the patty. I agree with that. Like it, I, I love, I love cheese in general, but I love like melted cheese on things. So I would want it to be melting on the burger. If I make them at home, I do try to like put them, put the cheese on the burger while it's still like cooking. So it does get nice and melty. Yeah. Um, And I agree with- under also if you put it under would it be bun then cheese then patty and then other toppings bun then cheese i guess yeah where else would it go if it went under i don't you could do like bun lettuce tomato cheese whoa (laughs) yeah it's wild but normally you put on the burger first so it's like it's definitely gonna hit a bun i don't know i've seen places you like (laughs) bun then sauce then patty yes yeah like sauce on the bottom or like bacon if it's like a bacon burger they'll do bun oh. bacon then patty i've seen that hmm. i don't know i'm indifferent i don't think i would care if it was under the patty <laughs> or on top of the patty as long as it's on there on the patty we have someone who doesn't want it and we have someone that does not care as long as it's <laughs> this answer was pointless today well, let what us know we'll what you guys do think. is i will put my slice under and then your slice can go on top of your pan Ooh, yeah 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 and then we won't have to decide it's gonna like encase the whole patty it's like an orange yeah. patty oh <laughs> just it's like don't even best. see the meat it's like wrapped oh, so good <laughs> there we go. i didn't even think about this i should have known i'm embarrassed when i saw the question i was like uh-oh <laughs> there's a fight a brewing <laughs> i know i was like i'll we'll keep it in for the entertainment value yeah, I'm sure you guys love hearing us bicker about melted cheese. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, I'll just give you my cheese. Yeah. I'll, when we ever order out, order out together, I'll be like, I don't want cheese, but can you put it on hers oh, yeah. instead? Put it on my friend's burger instead. <laughs> That'll get yes. us some looks. Extra like, pickles. Do you like bread and butter or dill? That could be a bonus question too. Dill. Pickles. Bread and butter pickles? What? Have you not heard of those? <laughs> I've only what? heard of dill. Wait, what the, are bread and butter? The sweet ones. Oh, Never I had sweet pickles? Were, I thought they were just called sweet pickles. No, I call them bread and butter pickles. <laughs> do they taste like bread and butter? No, they taste with- like they're sweet. Is this like an Indiana thing? 
is this? Are you Googling it? Are they? Yeah. They just like look like normal pickles, but you like add. They're sweet, are they? Someone added chutney, jalapeno. Okay. Next time you go to the grocery store, you need to get. I guess I'm not really looking at the labels. Have you had them though? Like eaten them? They're like the flat ones. Well, they could also be like in sticks, but yeah, they're usually flat. I think I eat dill pickles. There's also flat dill pickles though. Like the ones you like get on a burger are usually flat, like the discs. Are those dill or are those bread and butter? It could be either. If they taste like a dill pickle, they're dill. If they taste sweet, they're bread and butter. <laughs> well, Ross I'm and I stressed. are a divided household. We have both at our house because Ross likes dill and I like bread and butter. So we have both in my house. So when you come over, I, I guess we're doing no a taste idea. test. I have no idea what I'm eating. I think it's dill. They're probably dill. Dill is way more popular. Like, dill yeah. is like more sour and like salty. Yeah. You're eating dill. But I think I've, have I had a sweet bread, a, a bread and butter pickle? I thought everyone knew what those were. This is so cool. Now I'm going to ask everybody. <laughs> we'll have to do a poll. I really want to know like. Ooh, yeah. I might do it like right now on Instagram. We should start posting our polls on Instagram. I know. We're just so bad about Ted's Instagram because you guys know our beef with Instagram. We relearned that Emily hates melted cheese and we learned that the pickles that I love are not a universal thing. Maybe I just don't have an expansive pickle knowledge, even though I'd be kind of embarrassed because I'm kind of like a pickle lover. Yeah. So (laughs) this is... (laughs) Not great for my pickle ego. <laughs> this could get weird. Um, have you ever had like a spicy pickle? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you've had the spicy ones, but not the bread and butter. Okay. I feel like I've had a bread and butter pickle, but someone described it as a sweet pickle. Yeah. I've that's never what it heard is. bread and butter. That's so funny. I don't know why it's called that. I literally thought you were asking me if at restaurants <laughs> I have bread and butter, pick, bread and you butter, so or I eat pickles. And I was like, who serves, who serves pickles as an appetizer? Bread, butter, and pickles. Mm-mm-mm. I'm like, wow. I don't know how well that go over. People I don't th- like pickles. Oh, that's, yeah. It's very controversial in general. Which is good for us. Yeah. More for us. But it stinks if we're together because neither of us get extra pickles. <laughs> You'll get extra cheese, though. That's true. I'll take it. So thanks for tuning in <laughs> about our metabolism episode. I don't really think we linked any other episodes. So that leaves you with nothing else to do besides checking out our course. <laughs> that nice is plug. Our, that is our call to action today. Um, and then also, well, actually, other call to action is giving your body a break about its metabolism delete my fitness pal yes that is our call in action do you like grilled cheese of course i actually ate a grilled cheese yesterday okay well then you gotta give me slack for this question and not like immediately knowing because it like i don't like when it stretches (laughs) so like it has to be like a perfect level of meltiness yes so it's still kind of firm Yes. Ew. <laughs> That's so weird. I don't like to or judge food choices, but <laughs> or it's melted so much, like there's barely anything there. It's like and soup. It's like mostly bread and oh. like a little bit of cheese. 
It's like not that. a grilled cheese. <laughs> oh, man. I had a grilled cheese with jalapenos and tomatoes. Oh, that sounds good. good. I put and hot I really, honey on a grilled cheese the other hot day. Hot honey is all the rave right now. And so I good. feel like I shouldn't get it because if I do, I'm going to add it to literally everything. You would like it on your avocado toast. That's what I was, that's when people have been telling me. And I'm like, I don't know. I've been eating the same thing for two years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do that. I have that like once and I'm like, okay, what's tomorrow? I got to mix it up. That's why I can't meal prep. Okay. All right. We should let them know. This is over. This isn't going on for a little bit too long. (laughs) Once again, half the episode is a bonus question answer. Yes. Okay, guys. We will see you in episode 75. Three fourths of the way to our centennial. Yay. Centennial. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the Upbeat Dietitians with your host, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.